and welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and I'm civilating right now. I assume that means whispering? <laughs> to speak in whispers. Oh, I like it. <laughs> to civilate, to speak in whispers. New vocabulary. I know, word. I'm like, how could I use that in a sentence? That wouldn't sound weird. I'll have to think about it. Right. I have used a couple of our words. Um, someone I knew, I can't remember now, maybe it was, I don't know, um, knew what a fartlek pro- program was. Oh. Remember that, like, athletic program or mm-hmm. something? And, uh, yeah, so I was like, huh, well, I know what that is, too, now. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yes, it is Hillside Strangler Part 3. Yes. Even though our little note says Part 2, it's Part 3. It is Part 3. Because Part 1 originally was going to be both, but then it got too long. So we split up Bono and Bianchi. Yes. Um, and this one might actually be five parts. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'll know more. I'm still not finished. There's so much um, random random stuff in this case. Maybe we should be saying, you're welcome, guys. Okay. This is going to be five parts. Well, I think that some of our listeners wait till like all the parts are, re- are released and then mm-hmm. list. I, I don't know for sure, but when I look at the stats, sometimes it looks like they wait. And then, because I mean, I get it if you want to like listen to it all back to back to back to back, but right. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. If someone wants to write in and tell us how how they listen. Do you listen, you know, every week? I know some people do, but are there some people out there that wait till they think you know we've released all parts and then listen to them? Please let us know at addicted to murder podcast at gmail dot com. Yes. Speaking of which, we got our first email this week. Right? And it's oh, it's only been a year. Right. But <laughs> hey, Amanda, thanks for reaching out. <laughs> yeah, we were so excited. I was at work. I was like, Courtney, we got an email and it's not mean. <laughs> <laughs> we were so excited. We were. So, you know, if you want to make our day. Um, and, oh, and we were hoping that this Amanda had asked some questions that we think we might cover in this episode. Or I'm sorry, in the episode from last week, the Kevin Kenneth Bianchi episode. Yes. Um, however, if we don't, please let us know. And, you know, maybe we will go over um, in more detail those, some, things. those things that people ask about, you know, do another um, breakdown or whatever. Yeah. Not like we broke down, but like the antisocial personality breakdown. Is that what we called it? Breakdown. Yeah. What What a diagnosis is all yeah. about. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then moving on. Courtney, what is your question? So my question today, um, which I realize is going to lead us directly into the first part of our story here, um, is what was the first time that you felt old? Or what was the thing Mm. that, like, first made you feel old? Um, Probably my friend's daughter... um, when she introduced me to One Direction and it was like the new boy band and they had not really had heard of NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Um, Mm. I was like, okay, we're in like a whole new generation now where Harry Styles is the shit, but Justin Timberlake is just an actor on Saturday Night Live half the time. That might've been when that was. What about you? I think mine was I made a reference um, with like a teenage client to Legally Blonde Mm. and she had no idea what I was talking about and had never seen or heard of the movie. And I was like, what? 
That was like a quintessential movie of my teen years. Right. And it was all about women empowerment. Right. I mean, it became that. Mm -hmm. And so that was the moment I was like, oh, man, I need to update my references. Yeah. And I'll see like on Instagram and TikTok or whatever when they say 30 years ago wasn't 1972. It was, you know, 1992 or whatever. Uh And I'm like, oh, shit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All my favorite songs and movies came out like 20 years ago or 25 years ago now. Yeah, I am at the cusp. I am a millennial, but I am at the bottom end Mm -hmm. between Gen X and millennial. So, yeah. yeah, I am solidly millennial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now it's what, Gen Z? Yeah. Isn't there something else too? Or wasn't there something between millennial and Gen Z? I feel like there's been two things since mm. millennial. Like, isn't it every 10 years? No. No? No. Oh. Cause I think Gen Z is, yeah, that's the next one. now? Mm-hmm. Okay. But they started being born in, like, the late 90s or something, or, or the mid-90s. I, I, yeah, I don't We've know. We've got, like, Gen Zs who are in their 20s now. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me feel old right there. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even know. Yep. I just, you know, as they, as I get older, I kind of, what I like about getting older is that I don't care so much about what's cool mm-hmm. and what's not. Um, so it's like kind of less work. Right. Um, but at the same time, then I also am like, I'm not hip. I'm not the hip friend. That's true. Or hip auntie. Mm-hmm. I had a moment the other day where I realized and told a client that I've been working as a therapist longer than they've been alive. Yeah? hmm Oh, yeah, we have some pretty young. Yeah. Anyone under the age of 12. Yeah. Was born after I started being a therapist. Or every client, whatever, that comes into um, our place of business, I could be their mom. Right. Every one of them. hmm Even if they flunked multiple grades. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I could be their mom. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Anyways, with that, <sighs> there's someone else. Now that I'm all depressed and also had a hard time with yes. accepting their age. Yeah, Angelo Buono. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So uh, we ended the last episode with uh, Kenneth Bianchi deciding he wanted to start fresh in a new place. He worked with his mom and his aunt to get hooked up with his older cousin Angelo. So Kenny is in his mid-20s when he goes to L.A., and Angelo is in his 40s. Angelo does try to look younger than, you know, his age. He dyes his hair darker. He wears flashy jewelry. And he has told some, if not all of his children, not to refer to him as dad. Call him uncle or Tony, whatever. Courtney, is this a narcissistic thing? Um, I'm curious because I'm 40 now, and I do want to look young. However, the lengths I go to is like, you know, I put on collagen moisturizer. I know a lot of people put, you know, a lot of time and effort and money into looking young, especially in Hollywood, the entertainment industry, et cetera. What are your thoughts for this, um, on this for ge- in general? And is Angelo normal? You know, I don't think that I would call the desire to look young and even do things to alter your appearance um, narcissism. Uh, I think it really comes down to just these universal feelings of pride and insecurity that everybody has, you know, especially in a society like ours um, that really values appearance and youth so much. 
I think there's just a lot of pressure that we all feel to a certain degree. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that we can each think of several people that we know personally um, that try maybe a little too hard to try and stay young, whether that's through the clothes that they're wearing, um, dyeing their hair, their makeup they're wearing, um, obsessive skincare routines, or even plastic surgery. Right. Have you ever been to Los Angeles? Only the airport. Okay, so I was there in my mid-20s for a friend's bachelorette party. She had a sibling that lived in West Hollywood, and we all went down there um, to go do the L.A. thing. Never been there before. And it was so bizarre to me, coming from, you know, small town Oregon, Mm -hmm. um, how everybody was, at least in the area that I was in, was dressed to the nines like all the time Mm -hmm. and when I was we went to a spa a spa that I could not afford like I got the cheapest thing on the menu um but I would hear I overheard these um young women in the locker room talking about how basically how they needed to look amazing so they could get a guy to like take care of them for life and I was just this is a foreign concept to me and it was bizarre and also on this trip, I got to go on the set of Days of Our Lives, oh. the soap opera, mm-hmm. and I was shocked at how thin the actors were in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, they look great on TV. They look skinny, you know, but the camera really did add 10 pounds. So when I saw what they look like in person... I don't remember who, or I'm not going to say who, whatever, but I was still like, oh my gosh, like the, um, need or the, um, importance of being small, slender, skinny, fit and fabulous in that town is nothing that I could ever keep up with. I could never live there and feel good about myself. So I, I just, that's just a little bit aside, but the, the culture differences between, you know, certain areas of the country mm-hmm. and probably certain areas in other countries and where I'm from, like it's, it's, it's a sociological craziness. I don't know. It, it is fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, then throw, you know, Angela was in the Sully world. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't trying to be an actor or anything, right. but, but he was surrounded by people who were right. Exactly. So he had to keep up and, mm-hmm. You know, in, in this particular case, I think that for once, Angelo was actually very normal. Yeah, totally. I'm um, sorry for that aside. <laughs> it just, it, the beauty industry and the weight loss industry and everything, it just makes so much money off of people's insecurities. Yes. And it sucks. Yes. Because we are all special, unique, and wonderful people or have the potential to be. Right. No matter what we look like or don't look like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So remember that the last time that Angelo saw his cousin Kenny was when Kenny was six, about six years old, and he came out to L.A. Angelo remembered him being annoying and a bedwetter. I imagine it was sort of a weird thing for the both of them to become roommates, you know, after all this time and the big age disparity. Angelo agreed to let him stay with him in his spare room only until he could get a job and get his own place. Based on what I know of Angelo, I imagine Kenny cramped his style. Angelo was a very neat and very orderly person. He was very clean. 
Kenny was immediately impressed with all of the girls that Angelo was seeing. He definitely had that charm and charisma when he wanted to turn it on. Quote, so awestruck was Bianchi by Angelo's success with women that he decided Angelo must know something. Kenny was determined to learn as much as he could from an obvious master. Courtney, do you think a form of hero worship may be developing here? Angelo is older, and Kenny's adopted dad died when he was relatively young. What do you think might be starting to occur between the two? Yeah, so, you know, Kenny did lose his father right at that age where he really could have used a positive male role model. You know, he was just 13. Um, So during his teen years, he didn't have that father figure to teach him, you know, how to, quote, like, be a man or how to treat women in relationships or any of those things um, that, you know, boys typically go to their dads about. And so when Kenny moved in with Angelo and saw his skill, particularly in this area, it's almost like Angelo became like a surrogate father or even sort of an older brother figure to him. You know, Kenny was looking for a mentor and a role model, and he latched onto Angelo to fill that need. One of Angelo's sons was also staying at the house during this time, and other sons would drop by with their girlfriends. Sometimes Angelo or Kenny might be able to sleep with these women. The book claims that at times this amalgam of family and girlfriends would all watch porn together. I mean, that's not something my family does, but hey, I guess family time is a good thing. Um, Angelo's ex, Candy, is quoted as saying this, quote, there's one thing about the Buonos. They share everything. Um, And I just want to say this. Uh, We watched a couple documentaries on these guys, and some of the people quoted or uh, called him Angelo Bono, and some of them called called him Buono. So I'm sorry if the Buono is incorrect (laughs) because it was bizarre. It was like the cops all called him Buono, but his legal team called him Bono. Don't you remember that he like tried to change his name? He did. Yeah. To avoid paying child support. Right. So maybe very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I'm just saying that in case someone is like, no, it's this. Well, okay. could be either way, but any, I'm calling him Buono because that's how it's spelled and I'm phonetic. Okay. When it comes to that. Um, Anyways, Angelo's daughter would sometimes stop by as well, and she would sleep in the same bed as her father. She was a teenager at this time. Angelo was very protective of his daughter. He didn't like any of her boyfriends. Um, Courtney, just speculation at this, but do you agree with me that and that it's an inappropriate relationship um, that may have been occurring between Angelo and his daughter? There's also a rumor that he raped Grace when she was just two years old, the same year he and his wife divorced. Um, If this is true, then Buono was guilty of incest as well as pedophilia and statutory rape. So given what we know about Angelo's sexual behaviors with underage girls and the fact that he very likely abused his stepdaughter, um, I would not be surprised at all if he also sexually abused his biological daughter. Um, And it is certainly a, a red flag for a grown man to be sharing a bed with his teenage daughter. Yeah, when there's room elsewhere right yeah one evening the two cousins were bored and decided to order a sex worker from a service so she came over and angelo of course wanted to be first both men had sex with her but afterwards they went through her purse and saw that she had very little money they decided that since she didn't demand the money up front she was dumb and therefore they did not have to pay her they kicked her out and refused to give her the money that was owed When she made a fuss, Angelo pulled out his phony police badge. Did I forget to mention they both got badges? They got fake badges from like a 
um, one of those. I think it was like a swap meet. Yes, or that's the words I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, he scared her off with the badge. Turns out the girl went to her pimp or friend or someone um, and told them what happened. They called Angelo's house and threatened to blow it up. Here's a quote from the book. I imagine it was quoted from what Bianchi recalls of the night as he was the talker of the two. Quote, y'all got a real nice house. Real nice. Tell y'all what I'm going to do. I'm going to mess y'all's up house up. I'm going to mess it up real good. I'm going to go blow up that nice house of y'all's. You're going to be flying high because I'm going to send you to the sky and you're going to die, motherfucker. You don't pay for your play, man. You ain't got to see another day. I'll tell you what, son. Recreation can be real expensive. The caller then hung up. How did you like my acting? Was that scary? It was very threatening. Okay. Thank you. Uh, then a taxi showed up at Buono's house. A prank taxi. So they sent a taxi. They got another call saying that the house would be blown up at midnight. Then an ambulance was sent to the house. They pranked the ambulance company to Buono's house too. Then the caller called again with the same threat. At this point, Angelo freaked out and called the cops saying that someone was making bomb threats against him. So the cops came and watched the house for a few days and nothing happened. Darn it. Um, Courtney? I mean, this whole situation just feels like an unnecessary waste of resources, um, mainly on the pimp slash friends part um, and like calling the ambulance to the house and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And, you know, I mean, Angelo was far too intelligent to do anything illegal with the police actively watching him. So, yeah, but it was kind of funny that they just didn't let him get away with and scared him. It is. Yes. So. Yeah, He I don't, needed that, I think. Yes. I don't think he tried that again. Not that I read uh, that same situation anyways. So Angela wanted Kenny to move out. Um, I mean, he liked how Kenny looked up to him so much, but he didn't want to take care of him. Kenny tried to become a cop, but he failed. So then, you know, Kenny decided to manufacture fake diplomas, saying he was a psychologist. And he wanted to open up a dummy shop, you know, psych- like therapy shop or, sorry, therapy practice. But that didn't make much practice or make much money. Uh, eventually, he got a job and a car and an apartment. Kenny even convinced his ex-girlfriend from back home to visit him. At first, she was impressed, but then she saw the fake degrees and figured, you know, he really hadn't grown up. She wanted to go home. He threw a fit, started to cry, said that he loved her so much, yada, yada, yada. One thing, Courtney, that is apparent between these two is that Bianchi seems to fall pretty hard for women, you know, before scaring them off, whereas Angelo doesn't. It's almost like Kenny is the good guy that never gets the girl, and Angelo is the bad boy who gets the chicks because he's an asshole. What do you think? I think this is a good distinction to point out. Um, You know, Kenny, although I would not describe him as a good guy necessarily, Mm -hmm. um, was more inexperienced, excuse me, and younger. And we can see the potential impact of some of those childhood abandonment concerns showing up here, you know, being adopted and then having lost his adoptive father at a young age. Um, You know, he really saw value in relationships and likely had some deep-seated fear of being abandoned, you know, and so he would be upset about relationships ending and engage with behaviors to try and kind of hold on to people or make them stay. Angelo, on the other hand, is a fully developed psychopath at this point. You know, he would have viewed these women as objects to be used by him, mainly for sex. And he used the charm that he had to get what he wanted. So he wouldn't have had any real intimacy or emotional connection with them at all. 
So case in point, he got all obsessed with another girl who broke things off because of his possessiveness. He basically stalked her uh, after, you know, she dumped him, broke into her apartment, found her diaphragm, mutilated it, peed on it. Uh, mutilated it mean like he poked holes in it. Um, he also took her new boyfriend's TV, like stole it, on his way out and, uh, oh, sorry, and on his way out he had filled up a condom with semen and put that on the doorknob like i was here um what kind of behavior courtney do you think this is what do you think we're dealing with so i think we are seeing with kenny is um his fear of abandonment mixing with um possibly the impacts of the suspected adhd um so we talked about my theory last time that kenny has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder um And so something that goes along with that often is intense and unpredictable anger, um, as well as, of course, impulsivity. So I imagine that kind of once Kenny broke into this woman's house or her boyfriend's house, um, he really just started improvising and was just doing whatever came to mind to express his anger. So you didn't necessarily think he was like, I'm going to jizz into a condom and stick it on the doorknob. That came to him maybe while he was there like, oh. I think so. I found a condom in her, by her diaphragm that I'm mutilating. This would be a great way to, like, he's not thought out. Probably not. Um, And if it was any more thought out than that, it would be, uh, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to go do it right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to go break into her house and then I'm going to do it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, Kenny, 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 (laughs) Kenny finally got a girl to like him back. Her name was Kelly Boyd. Hold on a second. Kelly Boyd from Cheers. Kelly married Woody Boyd. Kelly. Okay, sorry. That was a tangent that I just went off on. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Boyd, originally from Washington, moved in with him after a period of time. And by May of 1977, she was pregnant with his child. She denied him, you know, when he proposed to her. Um, I think that she just wasn't sure about him. And I'm sure this was a huge blow to his ego. So this is messed up. He pretended to have cancer and would have Kelly drop him off at the hospital or he was getting, quote, chemo. I'm thinking he did this partially so she would feel too guilty to leave him. You know, you can't leave a guy with cancer. That's terrible. I don't know, Corny. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. This is definitely a desperate attempt to kind of keep the relationship going. Do you get a BPD vibe from him at all? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. Kenny was um, having sex, my, my wording, Kenny was boning all kinds of women during his time with Kelly. You know, he would get super jealous of her with her girlfriends or even her brother, you know, but he, it was okay for him to do whatever he wanted. But how dare she even like have a, a, a good relationship with her family? That's a typical wanting the cake and eating it too situation. Yep. Typical Ken- antisocial yeah. thinking too. Is jealousy a big part of antisocial? It can be. Hmm. That's kind of scary, having an antisocial person who's extremely jealous. Yes. Yeah. Kenny and Angelo's next plan was to create an escort service of their own so that they could bring in extra money. Kenny met 16-year-old Sabra or Sabra. Do you remember how they pronounced that? I think Sabra. Sabra Hanan, as he con- and he convinced her that he knew all kinds of people in the movie industry and could get her a work as a model. She was very pretty. Um, she was on the documentary. She was also uh, interviewed during the trial and everything like that. So she bought the lie and told him if he paid her, you know, paid her fare to get back to L.A. as she was in Texas at the time, then she would pay him back out of her first check. 
So basically what happened was that she came back. Uh, Kenny and Angelo bought her some clothes, moved her into an um, into Angelo's spare bedroom, and manipulated her into thinking that she had to pay them back by prostituting herself because the job offers they promised just didn't come in. So um, when she did dare to go out on her own or to talk to other men during this time, Kenny and Angelo would beat her with a wet towel. Uh, per Angelo, a wet towel doesn't leave bruises. I don't know if that's true. Then they would rape her. They told her if she did not prostitute herself or if she tried to run away, they would kill her. They told her that Angelo had connections with the mafia and the mafia would find her and kill her. They did not give Sabra any of the money she earned. In fact, sometimes they would take her out to eat and not even let her eat at the restaurant. Do you remember the young girl Antoinette um, that we talked about two episodes ago she had a miscarriage and an abortion by Angelo she was in love with him and he strung her along Um, well she was still hanging around hoping to marry Angelo he told her that he had to know that she only wanted him and the only way she could prove that was to sleep with another man and tell Angelo how much she just hated sleeping with that other man She did not want to do this. She had never been with anyone else. She felt she was in love with Angelo, but she told him she was willing to do this if this was what he wanted. So what ended up happening was he, Kenny and Angelo arranged a gangbang with her and Sabra and seven men. After the whole thing, Angelo accused Antoinette of enjoying what had happened to her and that maybe she really wasn't wife material after all. What a piece of shit, Courtney. Agreed. Um, I mean, clearly, Angelo had no intention of ever marrying Antoinette um, and simply just used her to further his own ends. Forcing her into sex work was just another way to assert dominance and control over her while also satisfying his own sexual and monetary needs. The two cousins wanted to expand this new business of theirs, so they made a deal with Sabra. If she could bring in someone else she would be let out of her, quote, contract. Otherwise, she still had 10 months of debt to work off. So they allowed her to fly home to Phoenix to bring back a friend with her. You know, no funny business, of course, because she was being watched by the mob. She came back with Rebecca Spears, who was 15 years old. Sabra was moved to her own apartment, and Becky now moved in with Angelo. So I had said previously that Angelo was obsessed with anal sex. This was going to come back over and over again. And Sabra was not able to do that. Like, um, they go into it in the book about how they tried. She just wasn't able to actually, you know, He and then he gave her like a object to try to make it for her to practice with. But anyhow, she couldn't do it, right? Um, but Becky, once threatened with death, uh, gave in and... Angelo apparently so savagely anally raped her and did it so often that she had to wear a tampon in her rectum to keep in her bowels. That's really disturbing. Yeah. Eventually, the pair teamed up with Foxy Ladies Outcall Service. So basically, it was like a pimping service. They provided a car and customers and would take the girls to the customers' houses. The service got 15%. The cousins, being the pimps, I guess, got 60%, and the girls were supposed to get 25%, but barely got anything, including food for their enforced slavery. One night, Becky was deposited to a lonely lawyer in Bel Air um, by the name of Dave Woods. Apparently, Becky looked so sad and forlorn that, you know, Dave asked what was wrong. 
Becky told him everything, that she was a prisoner, a sex slave, constantly raped and beaten, and that she was only 15 years old. She hurt. She was hungry. You know, all of the things that was happening. So this man was shocked and moved um, by her story. He convinced her that, you know, Angelo did not have connections all over the place. She would be safe if she went home. So he bought her a plane ticket. Um, And anyhow, so Becky... God bless that man, got on that flight and headed home. Angelo and Kenny were pissed. Of course they were. Yeah. So Angelo called the man, you know, uh, Dave, who freed her, and threatened to call the cops for him having sex with a 15-year-old. Well, that didn't work on Dave. Um, So then Angelo and Kenny sent flowers to all of his employees, saying that all of them were fired. This really made... Dave mad and Dave actually had real connections he was a bigwig lawyer after all so he called a friend 300 pound bouncer named Tiny and told him about Buono and what he had done to Becky and what he was now doing to him Tiny found Angelo's shop and decided to drop by when he found Angelo working inside of a car he dragged him through the window and you know dropped him on the ground when Angelo tried to get up Tiny picked him up and shook him Like, I'm imagining, like, a rag doll, like, you know, because he was so big. And said, quote, David Wood's a friend of mine. You messing with him, you messing with me. Tiny. Get it? I don't like people messing with my friend. You don't want to see an instant replay of me. Tiny threw him back down on the ground, and Angelo stopped messing with David Woods. Courtney? Well, at least Angelo got a tiny, pun intended, taste of his own medicine. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he keeps screwing with the wrong people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is kind of the second time there's been retaliation. Um, it's too bad Tiny didn't permanently break him. Right. No yeah. One. So, of course, all of this made them angry, uh, Angelo and Kenny. You know, hateful of all women, same old story. I guess Sabra also escaped a couple months later, so now they had no girls to run. Kenny started to miss payments on his car, and he was fighting with his pregnant girlfriend, Kelly, more and more. Angelo and Kenny started to feed off each other. You know, mutual hate from women was their common bond. They started to talk about killing women, how they deserved to die, and they discussed how they would do it. One night, they decided they would get a prostitute and actually fulfill their rageful fantasies. They cruised around the Hollywood Hills and came upon a couple of prostitutes. The girls willingly got into the car, agreed on a price, and then they went off. When they parked, Angelo showed them his badge and told the girls if they did not have sex with them, they would arrest them. After they had sex with the women, they pushed the girls out of the car, naked, and took off. So they chickened out. Um, They weren't quite there yet. This was sort of like a dry run, I suppose. I mean, thank goodness for those girls. The next night, they tried again. They scared off one girl who ran when they flashed their badges, but caught another one. I'm not sure why they let her go. Perhaps it was too bright, or maybe it was the fact they figured, you know, she was... It turns out she was some German actor's daughter they knew of. Um, His name was Peter Lohr. I don't know who that is. Um, And that she was not a prostitute. Maybe she'd be missed. I'm not sure. Uh, But they didn't kill her either. By this time, they had found a few other girls to pimp out. One of them was Yolanda Washington, a beautiful black sex worker that had the misfortune of meeting the cousins and telling them where she did her business. And that's where we're going to pick up the next time. Courtney, any parting words? You know, what we've seen and will continue to see in the next episode 
is how much um, Kenny's presence really acted as a catalyst for Angelo's evolution into a killer. You know, Angelo had gone 40-something years without committing murder, as far as we know. Um, But within just a couple years of Kenny's arrival, together they moved from sexual exploitation to sexual assault to sex trafficking, and finally, as we'll see, to murder. Um, As I'm reading the book um, for this one, that is a question that pops up a lot, that the police investigators are like, what was the chemistry between these two that led them to do the things that they did? And, um, you know, Courtney, I'm sure you have some ideas and we'll, you know, out there, you know, just if you think of anything or, you know, it's just kind of an interesting um, situation because, as you just said, both of these two, while assholes on their own, may never have done what they ended up doing had they not, you know, teamed up, come together, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's and they don't I mean, Angela doesn't even like Kenny. You know, right. not really like he's he's the annoying little brother cousin that's like cramping his style and doesn't bring in money for helping pay the bills and is probably messy. Probably. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something that will and maybe still does uh, plague the investigators on this case. Like, what was it that made these two click the way it did and ended in horrible, horrible things to yeah. many, many women? Right. I imagine we'll explore more of that in the next two episodes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they ever totally figure out. But anyhow, so yeah, that's where we're going to end today. And to, next time we will we will go over the murders. Yes. So um, we're, we're building up to it. And next time we will go over the murders. So anyways. All right. Well, is that everything? That's everything. Okay. Well, uh, be safe and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.